TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you for the 420th time, I believe, on this podcast with one of the world's, if not the number one wellness expert in the known universe, past, present and future. (laughs) I speak of none other than Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, legend. Thank you for your kind introduction. Um. I never know how to respond because they're always so kind and I need to probably work a few out to best bounce back at you. But it is so great always to hear you, to see you. And I do, as much as I'd love to be in person, I do love uh, these little chats that we have pretty much every single week. I've got a controversial statement for you for the very beginning. I think (laughs) our digital episodes where we are on Skype, uh, we're better, we're better on 100 Not Out when we're like this. We're yeah. better in real life when we're together. Like yeah. that's that's a fact. But that's largely because of the way that you entertain and the way that I drink all of your drink and eat all of your food and the rest Use of it. Use my coconut oil. Use your coconut oil on all types of places um, and on all <laughs> types of faces. But what I think is really good is I do love this digital um, engagement that we have. Anyway, moving right along. Yeah. So I was listening to... Uh, SEN 11.16 this morning, my old stomping ground. No, I wasn't actually. I was listening to a former old stomping ground, what used to be called Sport 927, which is now called RSN. Anyway, and I was listening to uh, the captain of the Melbourne Football Club talk about – his name is Max Gorn for people that don't know football. And don't worry, this is not about sport, this episode. And Max Gorn was saying that his teammate, Sam Wiedemann, has gone on, in Max's words, the full meat diet. The full meat diet. This is Sam Wiedemann who's gone on the full meat diet. That's what you and I would call the carnivore diet and what the the hosts, uh, Adam White, a former colleague of mine, hello, Whitey, and Daniel Harford said, what is the full meat diet, Max? And Max kind of really didn't know how to answer it. He said, oh, he just has a porterhouse for breakfast. Um, (laughs) And... And what I think is interesting about this, and it didn't come up in conversation, but I was busting to ask it, is that Sam Wiedemann's teammate, who will be his brother from another mother in the forward line, is a man by the name of Ben Brown, who is, not many people know, a raging vegan. So we have in the Melbourne forward line to come, Big Ben Brown, who will not touch a duck, a chicken, a cow. I didn't uh, know that about And anything. No, that's right. Very little spoke about. Ben Brown is a vegan and Sam Wiedemann is now on the carnivore diet. And this great man is the perfect segue for us to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the right, the wrong, the myths, the truths, the history and the future of food and more specifically the role of diet in longevity and the now because... If two teammates are on the opposite diets, I think that just goes to show that, and when I say opposite, like the poles apart could not be any wider. No. I think that just 
really goes to show how, I don't want to say divided, that's not the right word, because I'm not trying to intimate that Sam Wiedemann and Ben Brown are, are, are arguing or anything. They're not. They're just going about their lives differently. But we have got such a wide, we've almost got such a wide choice, but such a wide gap in beliefs around food. <laughs> totally. But it's so fascinating to me, PC, because everyone bangs on about research. Oh, there's no research for this or there's no research for that, and they're looking for the evidence. And so they go, oh, what's the evidence for a carnivore diet? And they go, oh, people who lived a 1,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago, um, cavemen who only lived to 30 years old, by the yeah. way, yes. um, only ate No animals. one seems to talk about that, Matt, that part. No, right. You know, they didn't have to worry about chronic diseases. So there's no such thing as diabetes or heart disease back then because they didn't live that long. Like they were still basically just finished breastfeeding and then all of a sudden they get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So mm. it didn't matter what they ate really. Then you got the vegans um, and all the research around veganism um, leads to the potential to be really healthy. However, there's not a lot of longevity in being a vegan. Um, and We're still looking for one. You're still, we're still looking for a centenarian uh, who's, a, who's a raging vegan. Um, but that, uh, I can't ever see that actually happening. Um, I just think there's too many nutritional insufficiencies in that, right? And we're designed to be, you know, a blend. We, we're meant to be omnivorous. So uh, I find it really interesting that people bang on about everything with regards to, oh, there's no evidence for that or there's no science behind that. Uh, but they're quite happy to go off a Facebook post or an Instagram bikini-wearing yeah. Insta-famous influencer um, who's doing a particular type of eating um, because he or she read uh, another Instagram post or a Facebook feed uh, that said that this is what our ancestors did and that's the way we should go. So th there's the evidence thing, which is really interesting, is which determines the way in which some people would decide upon what they're going to eat or how they're going to live has has big flaws in it in that it's only used selectively. Yeah. So people are looking for evidence for some things but ignore the evidence for other things in favor of what's convenient. And uh, and, and I think that's th that's a challenge for us, you know, and I see that I look at, you know, I one of Ben Brown's biggest fans, his name's Leo Stafford. Leo is a little champion, and he loved Brownie until he moved to Melbourne Football Club because he was North Melbourne. Um, now he hates his guts. He said he said to me yesterday, Ben Brown, nah, he can get stuffed. Uh, but he's a vegan, this young kid, and he would look up to Ben Brown even more now that he knows he's a vegan because he's a vegan. Um, but I, I, it worries me that people would follow the leader in this case uh, and go down that dietary pathway or approach without actually um, be, being solid about it, understanding the impact of it um, and understanding, um, you know, the flaws in each of these programs. Mm, okay. So I love everything you've said here. So I want to um, break open some of what you said because I had a, a chat with our uh, mutual dear friend, Cindy O'Meara, just yesterday talking about uh, intelligence and philosophy. And there are a lot of intelligent people at the moment that are doing, for want of a better term, 
well, they think they're doing intelligent things, but but one might beg to differ. But I was saying that we don't have enough room in society at the moment for philosophy because we're all about right versus wrong. And I think what you're yep. referring to, when, I, when I think about research, um, you know, often in chiropractic there's references, oh, where's the research? In meditation there's like, well, where's the research with meditation? In gratitude, gratitude went down this massive path of doing of doing research, which I kind of find hilarious because it's not something that I believe like requires research, but I probably believe chiropractic doesn't require research and meditation doesn't require research. And I really don't believe that diet requires research because the proof is always in the pudding or the taste of the pudding. But we have, and I'd love to unpack this one day, We've become so research obsessed where it's almost like a humble brag, how you going? Oh, I'm so busy. It's like, oh, hey, I'm meditating. Oh, where's the research? Oh, hey, I'm going to the chiropractor. Oh, where's the research? Oh, hey, I'm going vegan. Oh, where's the research? It's like, well, hold on a minute. Like, can't, can't our behavior and our experiences be the research? But here's one reason why it probably can't be. Most research in my experience, and, and Damo, feel free to fill in the gaps here, but I've got in, uh, in, in, in my book, there's 140 footnotes of research, and mm. it was the most inane part of putting the book together. But I'm—I said to Sarah last night because she like blew her brains out, and like she's like, I'd never write a book like that because she's she got scarred at university with doing Cairo and having to put footnotes on everything. But uh, we were saying that um, it adds in a socially in a world today, it adds. Uh, credibility or meat on the bone or further reading or whatever it is, it adds something to the book. And that, for me, that's a problem because we now want someone we've never heard of who've done, who's done something we don't actually, we weren't in the lab, we weren't in the room, we weren't in the study, but we will, we, we want to be skeptical, but we'll believe everything we read in a research study. But it's really hard to point, to pinpoint one thing. And then go well, there. There you go. The research quantifies it. It must be right because, as we've said many times on this podcast before, like you could you could be on the best diet ever and not enjoy your life. You could be on the worst diet ever, but be gunning it like going so well in life because you've got many other ingredients in the recipe. But you can't do research on that. Like that's just life cannot be researched. Rant over. That's right. No, great. I just had to have a little cough. I uh, had aspiration. They're aspirated. Um, you're right. We have researched to, too much. We've relied on the research too much. The problem with that is that research and science was meant to help us ask better questions, not necessarily find the answers. There's no absolutes. You know, for everything that we think is absolute, it'll be undone in a decade's time. It'll be totally new because vegan was once healthy and so was paleo and so was Medi- well, Mediterranean still is healthy, but there's a whole bunch of different things, different approaches uh, that we kind of um, try to justify or validate by saying that there's research, but it will all be undone. It'll all get undone. So, for, you know, unless you ignore it or unless you make someone bad for doing the counter argument, when we've seen that. So we've seen that something didn't cause a particular disease shown in the research, published in the British Medical Journal, and then that person was forced to retract that uh, article, called a fraud, and then thrown out into you know out to the wolves because it went against the popular 
mm. or populist opinion. Yes, yes, yes. When the research defies everything that the research has shown in the past. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So if you go and you find an alternative view using research to the current popular view, then you could be thrown out with the wolves and called a heretic because science has now become a religion. So if you don't believe in the science, what do you believe science for? It's either right or wrong, mm. good or bad, black or white. There's no belief in it. Belief is something that you have about something that is esoteric or something that you can't you can't see it. It's not tangible, but you believe that it's there, right? Maybe that's the presence of absolute science. Maybe that's why you've got to believe in it because it doesn't freaking exist, right? So it's, it's got to be more faith-led uh, in that respect. So maybe this is where the Church of Scientology is you know, getting strong. <laughs> My thing here is that you can't have faith in science because science is either right or wrong. And if it's right, ask a better question. And if it's wrong, ask a better question. That's what is supposed to happen with science. I'm not supposed to use it for validation. That is so cool that you said that. Because as I, as I was listening, I wrote down Einstein and Hawking. And Hawking did all of his research. The more, the more research he did, it was because he realized how wrong his previous research was. Yes. And exactly the same with Einstein. He was like, screw the science. I just keep on realizing how much there is I still need to know and learn that yeah. my previous research has not has not allowed like he just kept on realizing how wrong he was. If that's that's not the right term, but that's that's in yeah, simple but- terms the way they, they said it. But that's because their philosophy was this is not so absolute. And I think that's what you're saying. It's become so absolute that we've lost the art of independently thinking. We've lost the art of inquiry. Because we're so keen to get to the destination that we have to then find the proof and then the proof becomes the absolute as opposed to getting to a point where we go, okay, cool. So now we understand that part. What do we, how do we then understand the next part? It's almost like they've run out of questions. Mm. But there used to be a point when we, when I was studying naturopathy and studying chiropractic and I was back in university, it used to be, we really don't understand as much as what we think. But now that we've found out about genetics um, and Newtonian physics has kind of reached our limit of understanding or we've reached the limit of understanding of Newtonian physics, we're not prepared to go into the, the next level, which would be the um, metaphysical realm. Like when we're not moving into that space. We're stuck in Newtonian physics. So we go, well, what's the smallest component of Newtonian physics? And that's the atom. Um, and so that we, we can't get past that. So all of the understanding is supposed to be around that. So then we go, well, why don't we create a vaccine that rewrites your DNA? We don't even know what the fuck that's going to do. Like, what's that all going to do to us? We don't know what happens with that. And there's a lack of inquiry about it because if you find something wrong with this now, you are going to get thrown out to the wolves and because you're against the popular opinion, right? So really it does – you can see I'm getting worked up about it because we're relying too much on an absolute answer and people are in search of that absolute and then they stop. It comes to a screeching halt. So in many areas of life which uh, which require conversation, there is an art, a science, and a philosophy to pretty much every area of life. And yes. I think what you're saying is we have become so addicted to the science of everything in life that we have completely let go of the art. Let's use food as an example. We're all bogged down in the science of food, but the art of food and the philosophy of food, we've just pushed to one side and that means we're now 
eating dinner in front of the TV. We're not thinking about the food of where it's come from, the philosophy of which we'd like to eat, the way that we'd like to eat. So those art and philosophy is done. As long as the science backs it up, then this you know meal that I'm eating uh, is good because the science says so, but we're forgetting the other two very important pieces in the puzzle, the art and the philosophy. And that's the same with love and marriage, whether it's with work, whether it's with physical health, whether it's in, in spirit, friendships, whatever it is, everything has an art and science of it and a philosophy to it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. However, um, philosophy has been uh, one of those things that many colleges, because science and philosophy struggle to sit together unless – there's an art, so the art is what joins the science and the philosophy. Unless there is an art to it, then philosophy is often discarded. And so you look at Melbourne University at the moment, they've dropped 3,000 courses from the curriculum to save money. 3,000! Like they've dropped. Most of them are to do with arts and philosophy. The science courses are still there, right? So if we go through the university system and go, science, 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 we are going to science the freak out of nature. You can't. Nature always rules. So you've got to have an understanding of the philosophical basis to life or even inquiry about that. Then you've got to practice it, and then you've got to try and understand it. And science is really only meant to try and help you understand it, and you're meant to keep on asking questions rather than actually finding the answers. If we're At the end of the day, if we're trying to find the meaning of life, we have to keep asking questions. I think if I wanted a dinner table, if I wanted a dinner party, at the table I would want artists, scientists, and philosophers. If I had... A table full of scientists. I think I'd leave my own dinner ta- my own dinner party. <laughs> I know, right? And what you're telling me is that massive institutions are inviting scientists only to the dinner party. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm I'm Let's, I'm not going to the party. Yeah. yeah. So they've identified what are the uh, the big money makers um, and what will provide uh, the country with. A, sustain, a sustainable future. Uh, according to them, like they've done algorithms, uh, science, they've scienced what is sustainable and uh, and they've decided that engineering and science um, are really important, medicine, maths, yada, 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 all that sort of stuff, the stuff that doesn't encourage inquiry um, essentially. And wow. so that that's a real worry. That's wow. a real worry because we're already black and white here in Australia and look at the problems that's creating. If you look at um, everything from inclusiveness, diversity, all of these conversations around um, gender equality, um, we, we, can get, we can rattle it all off, even racism. It, it's all because of black and white that this became a problem. It all is because it's the, this, the problem is because if you're this and you're not that, then you can't do this. Yeah. And, and this is the problem that we're going to face more and more as we keep on sciencing stuff. Right, so if we keep on looking for the absolutes and the and the science behind it, we're going to be more and more black and white. And so then there's got to be another set of rules, and and these rules. The whole it, idea it, of a university is you get all the budding artists, scientists, and philosophers yes. together, and that yes. creates better students for everyone, and that yeah. creates better human beings. If yes. we if we monopolize it, it doesn't allow for maturity. That's really that's really. That's really quite concerning. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But it suits particular types of minds. But I don't look, look, I'm going to be a little bit contentious here. Look at the Chinese and the Buddhist culture uh, within China, which is very philosophical and not science led. Right. And, you know, they haven't really like the Buddhist culture from an outsider looking in because I have not studied Buddhism. Uh, appears to have not tried to remain modern or be populist. So if we look at Christianity um, and Catholicism, which is what <laughs> I'm a Catholic and I'm Christian, and I heard the Pope the other day talk about a science topic as if it was more important than faith itself, right? And so I was thinking, hang on a second. The church used to be what you believed in, and now science is what you believed in. There's a competition between the church and science. It used to be that you would go to the priest for answers, and now you go to somebody else for answers. In Buddhism, you still visit the monks, and you still live a particular way according to a philosophy, and you practice the art of Buddhism, and you acknowledge that science offers um, some answers and maybe helps you with further inquiry. That approach... Um, for me, makes sense. So if we look at China, for example, and they're training up a lot of people in science and they're training up a lot of people in maths and they're training up a lot of people in economics and they're training up a lot of people uh, in uh, the non-philosophical side of uh, education and inquiry, which is a science approach, There's, because philosophy is entrenched within their race through religion and it's still quite strong – they could come out very strong and, and very much on top because they haven't discarded the other two pillars of health and well-being or life, which is the art and the philosophy. Um, they're going strong in the science side of it. And we're going strong in the side of it, science side of it, but we're discarding the other stuff. We're discarding the oh, philosophy. It's just like doing push-ups all day and not doing any squats or any crunches. They're just uh -huh. going to end up with pecs that are way too big. Their, their brains are going to be too big. <laughs> Um, all right, I need yeah, something. You hear what I'm saying? Like we oh, are going totally. on a slippery slope of ignorance uh, because we're avoiding discussions around philosophy. And if you're too philosophical, too philosophical, you seem to be a, a, an antagonist, someone who uh, is not flying the party line uh, and maybe uh, dangerous in terms of uh, you know your lifestyle choices. Because you're too philosophical, you're not scientific enough. Um, but if you're too scientific, that's okay. You don't have to ha – that becomes your philosophy. Um, you're, you're scientific. So you can be science – like Jackson will say to me, how cool is science? I go, dude, it's nature. He goes, no, no, it's science. I go, mate, science tries to explain what nature is. And he's just pushing my buttons. He knows that he's <laughs> And I was going to finish off your sentence by going, and if you're too artistic, people don't worry about you because they think you'll never make it anyway. And I'm like, <laughs> gee whiz, what a mixture this is. This is, this is concerning. So I want to finish on an up. And I'm going to, I'm going to handball this one to you, oh wise one, because you're, you're a cycle of seven older than I am. What do we do about this? If you're going to stand on a stage in front of 5,000 people and they go, Damo, like, is humanity done for or can we actually uh, do something about this? Like, what do we do? We don't want to make it sound like the next 50 years we're going into doom and gloom of hyper-science and no art, no philosophy and everything's going to be monopoled and we're going to end up with 
big brains but small hearts. Like, how do we actually go about this in a with a spirit of optimism? And I say this because I'm an optimist and I don't want to live in that world that you just described. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. And I thought maybe I could escape that by going to New Zealand, but I think it's as bad as Australia. <laughs> I think New Zealand. Oh, that's a controversial like to to way to finish Zealand, up. By the way. Yep. God, the bubble's open. But, yeah. Um, how do we... How do we? I would like to hear from our watchers and listeners. How do you think we can get back to being in the heart space as opposed to being stuck in this headspace? Well, Wendy Adams says uh, you guys talk too fast. I'm trying to read your subtitles, but I'll <laughs> yeah, talk to you later. <laughs> so Wendy might not might not be able to contribute because she's still catching. She's at at the ten minute mark, still trying to keep up with the words. Um, <laughs> Well, I think it'd be interesting to know what our listeners think, and you're more than welcome to connect with us on Facebook at 100 Not Out. Just spell it all out. Drop yeah. us a line, um, Damien at DamienChristoph.com, Marcus at TheWellnessCouch.com. Um, as Alistair Mill says, everyone is a reflection of ourselves. I think, and, and you're spot on, uh, Alistair, I think what I'm what I'm feeling as I hear you say it is that I would really, I would really hope that people that uh, artistic or philosophical in their hearts don't feel the pressure to become scientists. And there's a great book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron and it talks about, you know, how doctors realise that they want to be musicians and they, they, they're a doctor for 30 years and they're all in the science, let's say, but they realise that there's an artist within them that they never let express. Or uh, there's a great example of um, a lawyer who always wanted to become a pro golfer. Damo, you'd love this story. And he ended up quitting the law and committing his life to golf and he made the pro tour. Like, really? Yeah, he did. Who? Yeah. I'll tell you. I, I don't oh. know if I can tell you his name off the top of my head, but if oh. it's in the artist's way and it's one of those stories I've literally... That's what I want to do. I might stop being a Cairo <laughs> and doing that. I, this market... Mark this day in history, Wednesday the 7th of April, episode 420 of 100 Not Out could be the trigger for Damo moving on from chiropractic and going to pro golf. Yeah. Well, if we give it to episode 840, you've got um, eight years. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. To, uh, we'll, we'll check back in at episode 840. That'll be perfect because at 55, I can join the Masters circuit. Yep. There you go. There you go. Done there you go. Done, done and dusted. Done and dusted. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Mills is saying pineal gland decalcification. That just goes way over my head. But it's gone. yes, I, I tried to catch that in my pineal gland, but I couldn't get it. <laughs> oh, like it's gone. And, and Alistair, just in case you're on the verge of sending me a 500 word essay on it, I don't care about pineal gland decalcification <laughs> in the same way that you and others might. Like I love, I love it when people like my wife Sarah and Damo and Alistair Mills say. Pineal gland decalcification, but I I won't spend any minutes of my life uh, learning about what it is because it just doesn't do it for me. But finding out what Ben Brown is eating and what Sam Wiedemann is eating, I find fascinating. The vegan and the and the and the meat eater, uh, but more as a way to understand our social environment that we're in at the moment around research and our attitudes to it. So, Damon, I've actually really enjoyed this conversation. It's yeah, been. A bit concerning in in how much you've opened uh, my and our eyes into how um, entrenched we're becoming in uh, research. But I actually hope that in the same way that I can see in some of my conversations, people are beginning to realize that 
when we say, how are you, I'm so busy, or do you want to catch up? No, I don't have time. Like we've got these automatic responses. Maybe we'll get to this point where we go, where's the research? Is this automatic response that we can actually pull ourselves up about and go, well, hold on a minute. Like, Do I need the research or can I just, as you said, live in nature and experience the research rather than actually have to learn it first. That's right. Be the research. Be, <laughs> Be the, re- the research. Yes. You know, go on a vegan diet for 12 weeks, 12 months, maybe not 12 years unless you're really yes. determined to, but just yeah. experience it, you know. And, and we, Damo and I both say this from experience and many others as well. If you're really interested in being a carnivore only and you want to be a hunter-gatherer, like experience it for 12 weeks. I probably do it. I don't know about 12 months, but... You know, <laughs> well, do it. I don't. I mean, look. At the end of the day, what we know is that everything's reversible. So if you stuff your body up, you can bring it back to good health. Um, the body is very that. forgiving, isn't it? You'd see yeah. that every day in practice. Uh, all the time, all the time. People can smoke and then still live a long life. So no, that's, if you me. Think about that's that, me. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> this is it, right? This is it. So uh, feel free to try stuff on. Um, Make sure you laugh. Make sure you stay smiley. Don't try to be grumpy every single day. That's not going to work. Mm. Uh, don't try and not sleep. Um, mm. Don't try and not drink water. There's a few things that uh, won't work for you. Uh, don't try and play on the freeway. That's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> what is important is if you feel like inquiring and making you the guinea pig, go for gold provided it's safe and diet it's one of the safest things you can try. You yeah. can try vegan. You can try vegetarian. You can try paleo. You can try carnivore. Try Mediterranean. See what works for you. But make sure you sit down with your friends and family with your meals. And regardless of what you do, you'll probably live a long time. Oh, well said. On that note, uh, to all of our lovely listeners and viewers, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of 100 Not Out. To you, Damo, for your wisdom each and every week, 420 times over. Thank you so much, great man. Thank you, PC. Thank you so much for uh, thinking of this topic. It's uh, I didn't know I was going to go there, but I'll tell you what, something inside me came out today. I think you dropped your first F-bomb on this podcast. In, uh, I think, uh, did you, I swear? Did I yeah, swear you, dropped, you dropped an F-bomb. Yep. Sorry about that. No, kids. no, it's good. It's We're good. We're that firing them up. Uh, to find out more about Damo, head on over to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.